Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know there is so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens to build a truly inclusive industry. In these diversity, equity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, The Talent Surgery, The Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of all, the Women of Fintech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through LinkedIn or on my email, nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today we are joined by two of the fabulous team at the EWPN, the European Women's Payment Network, of which you all know I am a huge, huge, huge fan. EWPN is a not-for-profit organization dedicated to building a community for women in cards, fintech, and payments in Europe. As the first and only pan-European community for women, the EWPN strives to create more opportunities for women and minorities, as well as being a champion for a more diverse and inclusive industry for all. EWPN does this by organizing local networking evenings, workshops, annual events, awards, and research, which all are welcome to be involved in. And today we have the privilege of being joined by Annette Brulutz and Erin Taylor, who will tell us more. So welcome, it's so wonderful to have you both with me today. So it would be wonderful if you could each introduce yourself and the roles you hold for EWPN. Perhaps Annette, if you start. Yes, and thank you so much, Nadia, for, for having me here. I'm thrilled to be in your podcast. So my name is Annette. Uh, I'm an independent uh, FinTech uh, analyst. I do research advisory services, speaking, moderating, and my background is in economics. I've done my PhD on collaborative innovation, which means that I have followed closely the journey of open banking, moving banking into far more partnerships than ever before. My role in the EWPM came about when I was first asked to moderate at the conference in Amsterdam, and I'm now co-lead together with Erin of the research community. Fantastic. And Erin, if you could introduce yourself. Great. Thank you, Nadia. And thank you, Annette, for um, paving the way for me. So I'm Erin. I'm originally from Australia. Uh, I did a PhD in anthropology at the University of Sydney in Australia. And I spent some time in academia before I ran away to join industry. I just found the idea of working in industry sort of more challenging because I had so much to learn, so dynamic with so many different people from so many different backgrounds. And throughout my journey in academia, I got interested in researching how people use financial products. And I carried this kind of, you might call it an interest, some might call it an obsession, but I carried it with me anyway. And I founded my own business doing research and consulting services. Recently, I founded a new business called Anthropology that focused specifically on research and consulting or financial services and other organizations offering programs such as financial inclusion. Of course, finance 
and anthropology are the key terms in the name anthropology. And Annette, fortunately for me, decided she would like to join me in that endeavour, so we're working on it together. Now, in terms of the EWPN, Annette already mentioned that I'm co-lead in research with her. And so our role together is basically to try to build up the research portfolio of the EWPN, try to build up the research community, connect with other researchers out there, and generally see what kind of knowledge building we can create in the community. So it'd be great, Erin, if you could just tell us a bit more about that mission at the minute and what you are going to be telling us a bit more about today. Wonderful, sure. So as you all know, the EWPN generally is a network for both women and men working in fintechs, payments, cards and banking. We run conferences and we do research in order to fulfil our missions. You might say that there are at least two missions. One of those missions is to basically engage both women and men in terms of support of diversity in the industry and provide mentorship and also create more awareness that gender diversity still is actually quite a problem in our industry and think of ways we can tackle that. And of course, with the research network also, try to build those concerns into the research we do to assist tackling those problems. So that might be research on diversity in the industry among professionals, or it could be the way in which we are serving consumers with financial products. So it definitely incorporates so much. I mean, the EWPN is a huge, huge mission in accomplishing so many wonderful things. And it's brilliant to hear how the both of you have been collaborating with the network, but also so closely with one another. Annette, with all of this in mind, can you share some of the EWPN successes with us, please? One of the biggest successes is to engage so many wonderful women in working voluntarily in this area to support other women and support, support each other moving forward. And that is, I think, what the leadership is often described as creating a tribe, not doing an organization. And that, I think, is a very good term. And as for specific activities, you could mention, like, uh, like we talked about, of course, many events and promoting women to speak in via voice in the public, which is very important because who hasn't been at a conference with 200 men and four women? So that is important. Uh, but also to uh, do programs for young leaders, programs for mentorship, a program for remarkable women in leadership uh, together with other organizations and educational institutions. So very important successes. In terms of the um, research network, I was at first thrilled to find a community that accepted the importance of working actually with research, both with academia and with research in industry, because this has been a focus area of mine for many years, that the financial services industry is really not very prone to work with research and understanding the knowledge that comes from prior research. We have created a nice group of people, and as Erin said, we are starting to realize a nice group of papers getting ready to move forward, possibly to do more research-based event, but also to create more research to share in these areas. Absolutely, and I think that that's so powerful to be able to share that research and enlighten and educate all of us when we're on this mission. And I love that terminology that we're a tribe. I think that's so important to call it that because a tribe pushes forward a movement. And this, this to me is very much a movement mm -hmm. of inclusion. So I love that terminology and I'll be using that myself. So Erin, tell us a bit more about this phenomenal bit of research that's been produced recently. I'm really excited to hear more about that. 
The research actually came out about in quite a serendipitous manner. Annette and I founded the research part of EWPN in the beginning of 2019. And at that time, we had ideas, but we weren't really sure exactly what we would be doing in terms of research. And then out of the blue, I got an email one day from some academics I know in the United States who said they were publishing a book about women and consumption. And would I like to write a chapter for this book about women and financial products? I thought, oh, okay, that is actually a topic that I have never investigated before. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do that, but I know who I can ask to help. And that was Annette. So I said, Annette, please, you have to join me on this. We need to do this work. So we wrote the book chapter and once we finished the book chapter, we thought, wow, we discovered some really interesting things going on in terms of companies offering financial services specifically to women. I wonder how many more are out there. How many more companies are that we don't know about that offer these services? So we thought, well, we really need to actually investigate this further. And so we approached the WPN, of course, and we approached uh, Keen Innovation, who got on board with us. And we set about looking out to see how many companies we could find around the world that do offer financial services specifically to women or which are favoured by women. And at that time, I think we found around 60 or so. And we wrote this first report last year in which we looked at those services and some of the characteristics of the services. So what makes a service designed for women? Is it just because it's coloured pink? Is it particular kinds of features? All that kind of stuff. And so once we finished the first report, we thought, okay, well, that was fantastic. We've learned so much more about what makes financial services for women. But what we want to know more is more about the companies that make these services. Where are they located? How long have they been in operation? Who is behind them? Who are the founders? What are the company values? And do the values of the companies differ from companies offering financial services to the mainstream audience? And so that is why we produced the second report, which just came out a couple of months ago. And that report is quite different from the first one. The first one had a lot of text in it. The second one is almost all infographics mapping out what we found. And actually, for the second report, we managed to expand our database considerably. We came up with a total of just over 100 companies, actually, that are offering these services worldwide. So that was great to learn that there are actually so many more out there. Well, that sounds absolutely fascinating. And I, I'd love to see, like, see this list. I know we're going to be sharing this report afterwards and in conjunction with this because we want to draw attention to who are the big players out there that are thinking this way. What would you say in that in terms of the key factors that you would draw out from the research? Well, I'll try to, to keep it down because we have so many insights. Uh, I think the first thing I'd like to mention is that when we started looking at this market, we were sure that it had been described and we were so surprised to find so little writing in the area, like the human really somehow wasn't important in the area, like finances is something completely neutral that's not targeted at anybody specifically, but rather something general. And this fitted nicely with some of the movement that we see these days in the fintech industry, where we see a number of companies trying to solve specific pain points. So, so I think that is the first insight. Also, we looked at, in the second report, particularly, how, how big is this market? What do we know about the market? And again, we found that the information is scarce, it's inconsistent, it's sporadic. But we have a good figure that we usually use, say, from Oliver Wyman, who did a report last year, saying that 
or financial services company forego in the region of $700 billion profit a year because they're not able to serve women properly understood as in the way they expect. So and that is an important market and it's strange that we're not able to describe it better. So a sad insight that we have is that women actually look for different services. They have a different perspective to their finances than many men. And this may change. This, this is probably very much a cultural phenomenon and it may probably change over the years, but for now, women's role in many countries is a different from the role of men. And therefore, I won't go into all these details. We cover them quite extensively in the first report, but this means that women they ask for different things. They ask for more holistic services. They ask for um, something that's closer to their everyday life, for something that fits into their doings so that it's easy and controllable and uh, accessible. And they don't particularly look for figures on risk and profit. It's not mean that they, they don't want these figures. It's just that this is not the main driver when looking for financial services. So financial services for women is not just about providing something that's marketed in a different way or in pink, you can imagine, and what has been already on the market. It's a question of designing the right works, build on the values of women, and holding the features that women are looking for and delivering in the way that women want. So specific differences. And that is also what we see when we look at the specific companies that they actually create services based on their knowledge and their understanding of how women's everyday life is. And one thing that's quite interesting and stand out in this area is that women look for learning, learning opportunities. They look for courses, sort of academies or mentoring. They also look for networks. So they want to learn together with other women in the same situation. They want to understand what are my peers doing? How are they feeling this situation? How are they tackling savings? So that's quite important. And they tend to focus in investment, for instance, very much on impact. So sustainability, diversity, and how to support local society. This has been quite a lot, but I think there are two points that I'd like to add to this. One is that we found both fintech young startups companies serving this area. And I think a third of the hundred companies that we have in this area are actually incumbent banks trying to serve their female customers better. And in the process, also changing their own production value and training the women that are meeting these women in the markets. So that's quite an interesting study to continue at a later date. And then we found something that's quite interesting too, that the market is just changing in the way that there are new, new players coming in here, providing perhaps just a network for women with an interest in investment who can join together in a Facebook network and learn from each other and talk to each other because they may not meet other women who are interested in working with investments. And as a last point, we were a little surprised to see these companies are quite young. Most of them came out within the last five years or so. And, and this could actually be an explanation for the fact that we see that they're mostly founded by women, led by women. They have many women employees, so actually they're not very diverse themselves as companies. So it's very interesting to follow how that's going to change over time. So when we said the word fascinating, we, we weren't over-egging the souffle at all. 
I think it's really, really interesting everything that you've shared there. Would be quite eye-opening to organisations that follow this podcast and individuals within those organisations, because I think for me it's about raising that awareness in the community. Like what you opened up with there is there are billions of pounds that are being left on the table because we're not looking at a particular perspective, and look at what can happen when you do start to open up that perspective, and also the research that you shared around drivers of individuals. It's incredibly, incredibly important that we're aware of that, which is why we'll be connecting the research to this pod when we do all the postings. So Erin, I wanted just to turn back to you and just ask a little bit more about your thoughts and what you'd like to see happening to drive inclusion. Well, for me, I would say that inclusion, particularly financial inclusion and diversity very much go hand in hand. And I think diversity is becoming much more of a keyword in this area. Traditionally, over the past few decades, the idea of financial inclusion has had a lot to do with banking the unbanked. So it's involved things like microfinance, mobile money, finding ways to get access to either bank accounts or mobile delivered financial services or people who don't already have that kind of access and who may be low income. More and more we're seeing a shift towards financial inclusion actually meaning not just giving people basic services, but giving people the services they want and need. So that could be, for example, women using financial products such as investment apps that are specifically designed for them with the functionality they need that will help them to manage their money better. And in so doing, that forms a social goal of trying to sort of narrow the wage gap that exists between men and women, for example, or the education gap, considering that often brothers receive more financial education than their sisters. So there is already a disadvantage for women from the beginning. Or it could mean, for example, simply making financial apps that are actually more accessible for people who are not well-versed in intricacies of finance. So until very recently, if you wanted to make an investment, you usually had to use some quite complicated platform with lots of information on it and lots of numbers. And you had to have quite a lot of knowledge in order to interpret that information and know how to invest. But these days, anyone can pick up an investment app and quite easily make decisions thanks to the way in which those apps are designed to make it easier for people to sort information and make decisions. And so for me, that's really key, this idea that financial inclusion is not just about giving people basic services, actually. It's about giving people things that they can really use that can improve the position of all of us in terms of how we manage our finances and kind of even out the playing field, if you like, in terms of us all being able to do things like make investments. And I'm glad you used that phrase, evening out the, the playing field, because that's something that I've been saying quite a lot recently. And I've been asking different businesses in the industry, what are you doing to level that playing field? What can I do to help you? And I think that that's a really important question because there's one thing having theory, but putting that into practice. So it's actually, as you say, improving the position for all of us. It's not a, a, a one person thing. It's about everybody in this together and improving it for everybody. Inclusion is including everybody. So I, I really, really appreciate your comments there. Any final thoughts from either of you on, on this research on EWPN, perhaps telling people how they can be more involved would be a really good way of ending this podcast. I would actually like to just say summing up some of the comments that you have had for the last few minutes, saying that we've been looking at this and we've been looking at diversity and it's not just about having more women on the board company or in the senior leadership group, 
this is part of the play, but it's not all of it. You need to develop your processes, you need to change your company culture, and you probably also need to work with other companies to change culture in society. This is a bit like Me Too. It doesn't happen overnight, which is probably why we're still today in a situation that I should never have thought we'd be in today. So it's about changing culture in finance. Absolutely. And uh, I would very much love to hear from people who are going about trying to make this cultural change in their own companies. And especially, I would love to know how people are working through the design process to design for inclusivity and design for diversity. We did give some ideas in our reports about what we think makes up a good design for financial products for women, but I would love to hear more stories from people about what happened when they tried to think through that process. You know, what was their design thinking? You know, did they do any co-creation? Did they work with their target groups to find out what really works for them? So I very much encourage people to get in touch. And perhaps who knows, we might write another report on that. I'm sure that you will, especially if lots of people get in touch, because this is what EWPN is all about. It is about uh, people collaborating, working together. You've always been such a support to me in the work that I do. And I really, really have enjoyed this podcast, learning more about your research. And I really want to shine a light on it. And I encourage anybody listening to this to get in touch with Annette or Erin, because I'm sure many more bits of research will be produced in helping us all together move this industry forward and make it authentically more inclusive. And the information that you've shared today has been really eye-opening and really, really useful to hear. So thank you very much to you both for appearing with me on the Women of Fintech podcast series. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Nadia.